0: Your dreams can be your reality. You all, time isn't real. Okay, that is fucking crazy. Spirituality, manifestation, travel, money, entrepreneurship. Welcome to In My Non Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Wright. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. We are just, what, about 10, 11 days away from the end of 2021. One of the weirdest years ever because we thought the pandemic was going to be over. Somehow we are about to get in an even worse situation with Omicron. So that's uh, really exciting, especially given that I'm going on a trip in five days to Europe. And I think half the countries we're going to are going into lockdown so beautiful beautiful time to go traveling you know amazing planning but that's the name of the game lately is we are in the middle of a global pandemic that just keeps changing directions and you can't really plan ahead um yeah so that being said i am going to munich and paris with my family so if anybody has been to those spots please let me know fun things to do and i'm talking about quirky things actually So like fun, unusual dining experiences or like off the beaten path shows. For example, I saw a friend that went to this restaurant and it was very like gastronomy. Wow, can't speak. And you put out your hands and then they poured chocolate into them and you had to lick the chocolate off your hands. I thought that was so cool. I've also seen restaurants where you just completely eat in the dark and the waiters are visually impaired. So it's actually a really interesting experience because you just have to use your instincts and like your senses to figure out what the hell is going on. So if you have recommendations like that, or you know, spots like that, please let me know. Again, we're going to Munich and Paris. I am very excited about this because I haven't been to Paris since I was like 21. I studied abroad. And it was a quick trip. And Honestly, I was just in party mode. So I'm pretty sure I just went to parties the whole time. And barely did anything else except the Louvre and then Munich I've never been so I'm I was in Germany for a year but you have to remember I was in lockdown and living with my ex in a very small town so I have never been to Bavaria Munich anything so shoot over those recommendations I'm super excited so to kick off today we have 2 weeks left in the year and I wanted to do a year in review So as I started to list out this year in review, it became clear that there were personal lessons, then things that I learned, and then business ones. And so I just started to categorize them, and I came up with 10 business lessons and 10 personal ones. So I actually want to split them up because I talk a lot. I add a lot of context and I like to be transparent. So going through all 20 of them in one episode is not going to work. So today's episode is going to be the business year in review. And then next week's you're going to hear the personal year in review. I think that's a perfect way to close out the year. And you guys know I love transparency and honesty. I think if more people were transparent about where they were, so many people wouldn't have imposter syndrome. I know as humans, we tend to look at Instagram and just think everybody's killing it. Everybody is having the best relationship. Everybody's making six figures. Everyone's traveling. Everyone's healthy. But no one adds context to like, yeah, I, my business blew up because I had four full-time team members. And the reason I was able to raise that money to hire team members is because I worked 14 hour days for seven days a week. Or I took out a huge business loan and I was able to launch this app or whatever the case is. It just looks like people are working by themselves in their bedroom four hours a day and somehow making six figures. And I don't think it's really fair to make assumptions about how people get to where they are without having all the context. So for me, it's very important to add that transparency to everything. And yes, it's gonna be a little vulnerable. Not all of these things I'm gonna like admitting. You know, Some of it is not gonna paint me in the best light. And I think that's important to share. So we're going to get into it in just a second, the business year in review. Before we do that, Open, you know, is one of my favorite apps. It's been a game changer for me with not only nervous system regulation, but even working out. So I'm going to give you guys a hot tip that I learned from my new idol, James Clear, about habit tracking. Is making something attractive and making it easy is what makes a habit stick. So no wonder when you go to start, you know, a new workout program or, you know, you're like, I'm going to start eating clean tomorrow. If you do it too extreme and too quickly and it's annoying and you hate doing it, it's going to be a really hard habit to stick. I've done this before where I'm like, I'm going to go to, you know, whatever, Barry's boot camp every single day. And it's like, I don't even like going. So why would I pick that exercise to do? What open has done is actually create options for everybody. So not only can you do yoga or Pilates or HIT workouts, there's also meditations and breath work. And there are different kinds, not only in terms of time, but with music, with what the focus is, with different teachers. And I think that's a really big differentiator between other apps. So other apps, there's it's just for meditation or it's just for working out or breath work. This combines all three, and then you can filter it down to what you need. So going back to the whole James Clear thing of making it attractive and easy, well, first of all, the app is gorgeous, but what makes it easy is you can just open it and then start using the filters. So for example, when I'm feeling very tired and lazy, I don't want to go do a 45 minute HIIT workout. I'm like, I'm going to ease into this by doing a 10 minute like baby yoga flow. And that's what I'll search in the app, 10 minutes easy breezy, whatever, morning flow, and I'll find it and do it. And then I check it off. So here's where you want to make things visible, which is another James Clear tip. I have a a whiteboard right next to my bed. And as soon as I'm done with my workout, I put an X on it and I put what type of workout I did. If I didn't exercise, I circle the date and I put the reason why I didn't exercise. This has been the biggest piece of progress I feel like I made in 2021. I did not really work out half the year. I don't think many of us really did if you were in a lockdown like me, even though in the beginning of the year I hired a private yoga instructor, I was trying to do, you know, at home workouts. And eventually I just hit a wall, which I'll get to in a whole other episode about this year. But my point is, I kind of hit that point of no return where I'm like, whatever, I'm just not going to work out, you know, one day I'll feel better and I'll work out. And that day kind of came around October and November where I'm like, why do I feel like something's missing in my life? Oh, yeah, it's movement. And I just feel like I'm so behind and so out of shape. I need to get into it. So that's when I whipped out the whiteboard, started reading Atomic Habits, downloaded. Well, I already had Open, actually. I just started using Open more often. And then I started tracking it. And then, of course, Open it was actually tracking things, too, to congratulate me on the streak I made. And it started recognizing what classes I liked. So then it started recommending things and then I could favorite them. And so I'm happy to report in the last five weeks, I've only missed seven days of exercise, which is crazy to me because before that I was, I worked out maybe once a week. And I'm telling you, this is because of the habit tracking with my whiteboard, how easy open made it that I could filter it down. And the fact that I didn't beat myself up if I didn't do a 45 minute workout. So This is all to say that Open is doing a challenge in January where we can all do this together. You can do the classes live or on demand, but it's 31 days of presence. So instead of beating yourself up and saying, oh, my God, I didn't work out in 2021. I'm going to have to, you know, clean out my entire fridge and go do the hardest classes possible and beat myself up in 2022. That's not the move. And that's actually really unsustainable. And it won't even be fun. Why don't we do a challenge together where you can pick your workouts that work for you or your meditations or breath work, by the way, you don't have to just work out. You can do the classes live or on demand or in person if you're in Venice and you can pick which ones. So if you want to do them with music, without the timing, whatever the case is, we can all do them together. So the way you're going to do this is you're going to go to the link in my show notes find the trial for open, you can do 30 days free. So this is the perfect time to do it because you could do it for the whole entire challenge. And then you join the waitlist. Okay. And then the challenge will start January first. So the challenge is just doing one class a day. Again, it could be the breathwork, the yoga, the Pilates, the meditation, you're just trying to build a habit. And I think what will help is if you get a whiteboard or poster and start tracking it. So I'm going to share this on my Instagram and I think it will help a lot of people. And I think it'll be fun to do it in community. That's the biggest thing that's helped me too is knowing other people are doing this with me on the app or going to classes on ClassPass. That actually really helped me too. So finding a community to do something with will hold you accountable and create better progress. So again, head to the link in my show notes, download the app. The challenge will start in January and I'm thinking we can make maybe like a little instagram close friends group and keep each other accountable let me know if you're down for that okay i'm really excited about the challenge so dm me at chelsea rife and then i like i said i'll post more about it and i'm excited for you all to try open and do this challenge together so let's dive in to the year in review business version tip number one or lesson number one is that structure and systems create freedom i have heard this forever You know, I listen to so many podcasts. A lot of them are about entrepreneurship and business. And people always said this, you know, get your systems in place, set up some structure. I can tell you as an Aquarius and someone who is very rebellious when it comes to how things are supposed to quote unquote be done this statement was like the dagger to my heart. I was like, I will not create structure and systems. I love to be flowy, I'm airy, I don't care, I do things my way, I don't need anything in place. And after about eight months this year of doing things that way, flowy, chaotic, unorganized, not planned, just running on impulse, I can tell you that is not the way to build a sustainable or profitable business because you're always running on the premise of chaos. That's not a great way to run a business. So what I mean, my structure and systems is do you have your payment processors set up? Do you have a way to collect automatic payments? Do you have a way to set up payment plans? Do you have an onboarding process? So when clients sign up with you, you know, what's the next step? Do they book a call? Do they sign a contract? Do they pay an invoice? Do they get a welcome packet? Like, what is their next step? That's a structure or system you could set up. If you have a podcast, what's your system? Do you record Mondays and then edit Tuesdays and create graphics Wednesdays and then launch on Fridays? That's a system you can create. When you hire someone, what's the process? You know, do they fill out an application? Do they just reach out to you on Instagram? These are all things that you could create structures and systems around. And for me, the biggest lacking piece I noticed was my launches. I realized I I knew like the basics I needed to launch, right? I have my payment process processors set up like Stripe and PayPal. I knew I needed a sales page, but I would just run with my idea and be like, oh my God, I want to launch this workshop or this mastermind. And I would go to Canva really quickly and create a graphic and just throw together a sales page without even really laying out what it was. It was like, here's the workshop about blank, blank blank, here's the dates, here's the times, here's the price which is fine, but if you think about it, people are very analytical, not everybody, but some people are analytical and need all the details. So by me not providing those details on the sales page, it obviously created a disconnect for some people that wouldn't end up enrolling. And so me running on impulse, again, just trying to rush and create a Canva graphic and then hopefully people signed up in the next two weeks, that's not a structure or system. That is a really unorganized launch. And I can admit my launches were messy this year. I tried so many things. I was going through so much personally, having so many breakthroughs and transformations that I wanted to teach. And so I would quickly try to get it up and running. And it it just wasn't. It wasn't structured. It was like very messy. And I didn't have a checklist. I didn't have a way to do things. And so I started realizing you need structures and systems and that will help. And one of the systems I did set up that was really nice was the application to work with me one-on-one for podcast coaching. So here's an entire system that I'm going to walk you through. When you're doing this, you want to think of what's the point of contact for your customer all the way to when they can actually like pay you. So for me, they go on my website, they browse the one-on-one podcast coaching page. From there, if they're ready to apply, they hit an application, which is set up in Dubsado. By the way, I did not know how to set up Dubsado. I had my VA help me and I would 1000% recommend hiring a specialist to do those types of things if you don't know the software, but they fill out the application in Dubsado. If I feel like we're a fit and I feel like I can help them, then there's this whole thing that goes on in Dubsado where I'll approve it. They get a link to book a vibe check call with me. From there, we do the vibe check call. If we are to move forward, then there's another button that goes on inside Dubsado that I click that then will send them the contract and invoice. We have to set up what payment plan and when it starts. From there, they pay the invoice and then they can book their first call. That is a system. I did not have that earlier in the year or even last year. And I can tell you, if you're doing a big enrollment, you will crash and burn or learn the really hard way or be staying up for hours on end trying to figure out how to do all this. So that's why I always talk about my first course launch that went really well. The reason I kind of shut down internally after that and my nervous system got so overwhelmed was because I had no structures and systems. So I was chasing down people for payment plans because I didn't have a software that did that. I couldn't remember who was on what payment plan. Of course I made a Google doc, but it started to get messy if someone paid late or you know, I couldn't remember, wait, did they pay the deposit already? Or did, did I not ask them for a deposit because I, it was my first course launch? So this is what I mean by, by not having a structure and system, then what you're always doing is playing catch up, playing catch up will never, ever, ever be sustainable, or fun or easy, get ahead of the game and create structure and systems, because then you have the freedom, right? Now let's look, let's use the one-on-one podcast coaching whole process as an example that saves me so much time. And it's so automated now that I don't have to sit at my computer and do all those things manually or before that, that whole process could easily take two or three hours trying to come up with all the different steps. But now it's just a click of a button, sending a link you know, sending off the email and then we're we're quickly from point A to B, which helps the customer experience too, which again creates more freedom. I don't need to be sitting at my laptop troubleshooting all day, doing things manually. And that's how I can not work a certain amount of hours a day, or I can take a longer vacation, or I can take Fridays off because I've built this thing that's automated or it's structured or has a system that I don't have to worry about now full transparency still working on this i just had a 2022 planning meeting with my va and i said this is like my top priority i want to automate as much as i can i want to create as many systems as i can i want to create as much much structure as i can and you know why? Because I want to not be working 60 plus hours a week doing things manually and troubleshooting all day. I want to take the whole month of August off. I want to travel in December and probably take another three to four weeks off. I want to take three-day weekends. And so in order to do that, I cannot be at my computer all day, every day, doing things manually. If you're like me and you're like, I don't care, I love to run on impulse, I, you know, thrive in chaos, love doing things last minute, That works for a little bit, but eventually when you want to create a better customer experience and a more life of freedom and ease for yourself, you need structures and systems. I think the issue that people get caught up in is they think I have to follow this to a T. So like, you know, if Monday is podcast day and you don't feel like recording Monday, then you're like, well, see, this is why I don't like structures. It makes me feel like I have to do things I don't really want to do you can make, you can be flexible, right? You're the business owner. So if you realize, well, actually Mondays don't really work for me, experiment with it. Maybe it's the time of day. Maybe you need to record at night. Maybe you don't do it on Mondays. Maybe you do it on Tuesdays, or maybe you alternate, or maybe you pick one day that you batch all your recordings. The point is even batching all recordings is setting up structure and system. So That's my biggest tip, honestly, out of like so many of these is that structure and systems create freedom. And if you're someone like me who didn't believe that, you will soon start to get it as you realize, again, running on chaos is not a sustainable business strategy. Okay, point number two. I know that was a long explanation for number one, but just because something doesn't work once doesn't mean it won't work again. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. Just because something doesn't work once doesn't mean it won't work again. A lot of times, I think this is probably the biggest mistake entrepreneurs make, including myself, we launch a program and it doesn't go as planned. And so we completely sack it. We're like, I'm never doing that again. That was so embarrassing. I can't believe only one person signed up or no one signed up or, you know, 50 people signed up for the masterclass, but only two showed up. That means no one's going to sign up for my uh, program, whatever the case is. And we forget that not everybody buys on the first time. Even myself, I was actually doing inventory of like, what did I invest in this year? Many of the courses or people I invested in, it's because they ran the round for like the third or fourth time. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to join because either financially I was ready or energetically I was ready or I had more time on the schedule than I was able to join. You have to think that way for your offers too. Not everybody was probably ready to join the first time around. They wanted to see how it went. Or again, maybe they didn't have the finances or they they were just unclear on what it was, but repetition builds familiarity. So if you are to launch that program a second time, a third time, a fourth time, every time you're collecting testimonials, social proof, you're tweaking it, you're making it better, it's only gonna get better and better each time. Then by the third or fourth time, that could be the enrollment that blows up that you completely double or triple your sales goals. And I had to learn this the hard way. I am going to admit as much work as I do on my ego, it still gets really bruised. I was so upset when one of the enrollments that I thought, you know, there were probably 30 people that signed up for a masterclass. four people came, and then seven people ended up signing up for the actual course. And in my mind, when 30 people signed up for the masterclass, I was like, Oh, my God, that could be 30 people in the course. And then when seven signed up, you start to make it mean something about you. Like, oh, wow. So 20, whatever, three people don't like me or didn't think my work was good. Or did they not think I was an expert or, you know, you make all these assumptions about why people didn't sign up instead of thinking of very real reasons why people don't sign up. Maybe they were bombarded with work and they just simply didn't have the time to commit and they don't want to half ass your program. Maybe the finances weren't in order. Maybe they were just unclear of like, does this really make sense for them right now when they're also invested in 50 other programs? So don't take things so personally, which is probably another point I have in here. But again, just because something doesn't work once doesn't mean it won't work again. And that's something that I'm going to prove to myself this year, too. I'm going to relaunch a few of my courses. I'm going to relaunch a few of my masterminds. And I want to prove to myself that just because it didn't go the way I wanted to the first time around doesn't mean it won't the second. If anything, the second time is going to be better because I have more feedback. You know, I can look at like my sales page. Maybe it wasn't clear enough. Or maybe I didn't really do offer enough free value. Maybe I just jumped straight into selling and didn't offer like the whole story in context of what the transformation was. So look at why things didn't work and adjust and then launch it again. And you'll probably see it will always go better the next time around. Number three, not every idea needs to be executed immediately. This has been such a big one for me. Like I just said, with point number one, I love to run with my visionary impulses and I will get to work when I'm like, oh, my God, this is a really good idea. I want to launch it. I did this audio course over the summer and I wrote it, recorded it, edited it and had it all up within like five days. And I thought that was going to be like one of the biggest game changing products of my life. Like, I remember when we were testing the sales page, my VA was like, oh, my gosh, I'm nervous because she was like thinking the link was going to blow up. (laughs) By the way, no one bought it. So, A, it showed me I I launched it way too fast because I didn't even market it. I think I posted like two things about it. I didn't give any context to it. It was kind of out of nowhere. I didn't add, again, I didn't like really give people the idea of what the transformation was. I didn't talk about it a lot. I didn't tell people where to find it. And I was just running on the concept that this is a good idea. This is a good idea. It's going to work well. And I did give access to my one on one clients and I was getting really good feedback from them. And that was what was fueling me to keep it up on my website because I was like, well, you know, they're seeing amazing transformations and breakthroughs. I'm going to keep it up. But I think I executed it too quickly, or I just didn't do enough planning in terms of like what the launch would look like. But this is true for a lot of things in my life. Um, Last year, I wanted to do a card deck. And I started designing it, I started actually really looking at how I was going to launch it and pre sell it and all these things. And it just was like too many things at once. I was trying to do a one on one enrollment, I was trying to create my podcast course, I was trying to keep up with the podcast, I was getting really into email marketing. And there were too many things going on to be able to dedicate to to actually designing this card deck. And I was like, I don't want to half ass a card deck. Like this is going to be a really cool physical product. It will be my first physical product. I want to make it fucking cool. And by the way, I want to put a lot of money into it. I don't want to get a cheap ass flimsy box. I want the sides to be gold or silver, which is going to be more money. I want the cards to be sturdy. So that I don't need to execute that immediately because financially it doesn't make sense. It's not the right time because I have too many other things going on. And to be honest, when I started designing it, I was like, I don't, I don't even know if I like these colors. Like I kind of want to wait until I'm more inspired by the colors and the fonts and then I'll design it. But I remember I announced it. I was like, I'm doing a card deck. Get ready. Check it out. Instagram stories was doing all these behind the scenes. And when I did that put a lot of pressure on myself to get it done. But as again, I started designing, I was like, this isn't like, I don't know, this isn't it yet. And so not every idea needs to be executed immediately. Some things take time. Most things take time. Most things take a lot of time. If you listen to anybody that's launched a product, it usually did not go smooth or the best thing they've ever done or anything their first time around it took a lot of planning and a lot of months and you know blood sweat and tears to get it off the ground that's for like physical products i'm talking about but sometimes that's digital too sometimes you record something and you're like wait that sound that does it just doesn't sound good i need to re-record it and i now i need lighting and i just realized maybe i need to do a video and that takes time it also takes money So if you don't have the capital or the access to money to be able to do something, maybe it's not that time to launch the idea. Now, I know some of you are listening being like, oh, Chelsea always says like, launch and adjust and figure it out. I do think that's true too, right? I just said in my other point, literally before this, yes, sometimes you do need to launch and figure it out. But what I mean is, you don't need to figure out ASAP. There's this idea that if you have a thought in your head, it needs to be executed by like tomorrow. At least for me, that's how I felt like, or that I was going to like lose its power. And sometimes you will get that urge to get it out there. And sometimes you need to listen to the patience and the, you know, the art of waiting and being like, I am going to wait on this. So yeah, not every idea needs to be done immediately. Take your time. Maybe it's going to come out in six months, maybe a year. And what I'm not encouraging you to do is just keep it in your head. But what I mean is you don't need to get it live, right? So let me clarify. Let me use the card deck as the example. I know I want to do a card deck. I do not need that to be designed and live and ready for sale by next week. I need to start planning for the card deck. What is each card going to say? How big do I want the cards to be? What manufacturer am I going to use? What, how do I even do the gold rim? You know, the gold, whatever the hell it's called, the side of the cards. Is that how much cost is that? start planning, but you do not need to launch it so quickly. Because sometimes then you're like, you know, wait, this isn't even what I wanted. I didn't even thoroughly think this out. So I don't know. I hope that's clear. But I I think it is. I just don't think everything needs to be done as soon as we think it is. I did that in summer, I was trying to launch the course, the podcast course, excuse me, the audio course, the podcast course, that I wanted to launch another digital product and a worksheet and a new podcast. And it was just like, Let's take our time and plan this out and it will come out better. Number four, don't try to be cheap and cut corners with the people you hire. I, in the beginning of my business, was trying to hire really cheap so I could save money, which well, you know most people do. And it kind of showed in the quality of work I was getting. Things weren't spelled right. The you know designs weren't coming out right. Um, there was a lot more back and forth. And it was because the quality I was paying for wasn't that high. And I noticed when I would try to nickel and dime people because, you know, you're trying to save money, then I would get a lower quality person and it would, or like higher, and it just wouldn't work out. And eventually I would have to let them go and then fix it myself. So if you're going to look at this, look at this from an energetic and like financial standpoint, that is losing a lot of energy and finances, even though you're like, oh, well, I'm making this up. You paid the person 10 bucks an hour. How did you lose money? by firing them. Because the me now taking time to go clean up this mess, and now completely get back out in the field and rehire, takes so much time and energy, it's almost a whole other project. Now I have to evaluate people. Now I have to look at their applications. Now we have to do interviews. Now I have to do the whole onboarding process and pay them and figure that out. That's a again, it is an entire new project that that time if I would have just hired right and paid more money off the bat, that time could have been to more productive things. So when you're trying to hire in the beginning i would either suggest this is two things i would either suggest starting small and hiring for less amount of hours so let's say you want to hire a virtual assistant and they're 30 bucks an hour try to start with the minimum package so you can get comfortable paying that amount versus trying to hire a you know a virtual assistant for 5 dollars an hour where then you're like well you know so if i could afford let's say what's 30 times 5 150 $150. So I could hire this $5 virtual assistant for like 20 hours, you could but let's look at the quality of that work. And I'm not diminishing people that charge $5 an hour. But I do want you to take a glance at the work. And not only the work but like turnaround times response times, communication, uh, you know, punctuality, all these things go into hiring. And I remember in the beginning, I would just look at the price of someone and be like, Oh, yeah, they're the cheapest, I'm going to go with them. And again, it just wouldn't work out that time. So maybe start with a smaller package to just get used to paying a certain amount of money or honestly get a side job. This is something I feel like a lot of people don't talk about because they have too much pride or they don't wanna look like they're not self-made or that they like you know the whole rags to riches story. Maybe you do need to get a side job that could bring in 250, 300, 500 extra dollars a week and hire a really solid virtual assistant or a really solid graphic designer, because I can promise you paying for it up front and getting quality work will save so much more time and headache in the end. So eventually, to add again more context to this, I realized hiring super cheap wasn't working. And so I started to outsource and pay higher amounts for, let's say, podcast editing and virtual assistants. And guess what? these people are resourceful. They're smart. They're forward thinking. I don't have to micromanage them. They get shit done. They think ahead. They are very on top of shit. And I'm like, oh, because I'm not paying whatever five bucks an hour, I'm paying them $30 an hour or $100 an episode or whatever the case is. And it shows I don't have to worry. And that to me is buying back my mental sanity and my freedom, because I'm not spending all day reviewing things and editing and fixing the spelling and fixing the audio and reworking the links or whatever the case is. Like I trust the people I hired because I know that they are amazing at their craft. And because they're amazing at their craft, I'm going to pay them the, the amount that they're asking for. So don't try to be cheap and cut corners when you're hiring because it's just going to cost you in the long run. Number five, treat people and clients the way you want to be treated. I feel like this one's very obvious, but You know, it's kind of the kindergarten rule of like treat people the way you want to be treated. So if a client comes to you and is, let's say, struggling mentally and they're like, hey, I like, I don't know if I can do our calls this month, or I'm just so busy with work, I can't commit to doing the call. Well, my business owner hat and, you know, boss bitch, contracts are in place, you know, boundaries would be like, oh, well, you know, you have to do your call this month because you get one call a month and we can't just move around the contract. But if that were me, I would be really upset if someone couldn't work with me, especially if it was something over my mental health or schedule, I would want them to maybe pause the contract and just pick up where we left off the next month. So that happened. There were a few clients who weren't in the headspace to do a call that month. And I said, okay, let's pause you know, we are going to pause the voice note access and the text access and everything, but we're just going to pause and push back the contract a month and we'll pick up from there. And that felt really good for me. Now, I want to be clear here too. A lot of this stuff depends on what level of business you are and like how many clients you have and, you know, how much free time you have in your schedule. So for me, I had a certain amount of private one-on-one clients and so pushing back someone's call wasn't that big of a deal because I had other clients to either make up for that income or like my schedule was still busy. It's not like pushing back that call all of a sudden changed my income or my schedule. So it wasn't a big deal. Now, let's say you're listening and you're like, oh, I have a hundred clients. Yeah, that's different, right? Like maybe you can't be as Uh, flexible because if one client moves something, it could be a domino effect that like ruins everything. And now you just fucked up your whole schedule and now you can't get it back in place. Yeah, that's a bit different. So I want you to think about, again, the context and nuance with all these things. I am one and a half years in a business and I had about 10 private clients. So it was easy for me to go ahead and make that switch to, again, just pausing that contract. Now, another example is when treating people the way you want to be treated. Even like checking in and support, you know what I mean? Like, are you checking in with your clients? Are you asking them what type of support they need? Are you just being like, oh, I don't know, they'll check in with me. Or I don't know, they know what to do. Like, you need to put yourself in client's shoes and treat them the way if you were a client that hired a coach or a mentor over in a course, how would you want to be treated? That's what I always think when I hire someone. Like, if I were working with me, would I like working with me? That's a good question to ask. I think that's actually a great journal prompt. If you hired yourself, would you like working with yourself? What is the onboarding like? What is it like to work with you? What is the support between calls? What is the offboarding like? What is it like, you know, your energy on the calls? Scheduling with you, is that easy? Uh, Do you record your calls? What are the recaps like? Just think about the whole process from beginning to end and ask yourself, would it be easy and fun and transformative to work with me? And if not, what can I change? I think it really helps to put that lens on it and, and optimize some things. Number six, boundaries, develop confidence. Okay, this is like the biggest learning lesson I've had this year, but enforcing boundaries Helped me activate that inner CEO because it shows that I value my time, my energy, my financial investments, my team, whatever the case is, my clients. When I set those boundaries, it makes me feel like a CEO. I've talked about this in a podcast before. It's probably in March, maybe, where I did a podcast on like business lessons and mistakes I've made, or like think. Oh no, it was the one I said um, things no one tells you about entrepreneurship. And one of those was how when you become a business owner, it's like all of a sudden you're just a business owner, but you've never identified like that. People don't call you that. Your parents and your friends and family don't really look at you that way or your partner or whatever the case is. At least for me, that's how I felt because I started my business when I was like 29. And so for 29 years of my life, I was not a CEO. I was not a business owner. I was not a founder. And so all of a sudden say like, yeah, I have my own business or I'm the founder of this or this is what I do. It felt fake. And it didn't like it literally felt like I was lying because I was like, this isn't true. Like you don't even have software to collect payments. You don't even have a booking link. Like, what are you talking about? You're not a CEO. So this is all to say when I started enforcing boundaries, it did make me feel like a CEO. You know, I would actually think if I were the head of a Fortune 500 company. Would I let people just, you know, not show up to calls without any warning? No, that would not be accepted. If your team didn't show up to a call or your client or whatever the case is last minute and didn't tell you, didn't give you a heads up, but whatever the case was, that wouldn't be okay. You would say, hey, what's the deal? We need to have a team meeting. Like that's unacceptable. So those are boundaries I've had to enforce or let's say refunds that's something that you may want to enforce. Like there are no refunds um, unless there's, you know, a conversation you want to have about it. But again, that's a boundary that you get to decide. Even energetically boundaries, like I don't do calls on Fridays. And that is something I am adamant about. My brain is not in coaching mode on Friday. It's not in anything mode on Friday. That is like my self-care admin catch-up day. So that is a boundary I have where literally in my Calendly and Dubsado link, that day is always blocked off. No matter what is, it's impossible to book with me on Fridays. And that made me feel like a boss because I was like, again, if I were, if I were the owner of a huge company and I wanted to go on a vacation, I would tell my whole team, I'm off Friday, don't contact me. So that is what I did for my own business. I think the lesson here too is like, start small with your boundaries and then build up and then it's easier to enforce the bigger ones. So what I mean is like, Maybe your first small boundary is, yeah, you don't do calls on Mondays, so you just block that time off in your scheduling software. And so now, maybe the bigger boundary is, um, you know, it's Christmas time and you're going on vacation for two weeks, and you don't want to be working. Well, it's probably going to be easier easier for you to tell your clients, "Hey, I'm going on vacation and I'm going to be completely offline. I am not answering emails. I'm not taking phone calls. We're not doing any voice note or text support. Like I am off the grid." That will be a lot easier because you've done it before where you said, I I always take Mondays off. So start small, build up, and it will develop confidence. Now I am more strict. Like I just sent an email to all my clients about their agreements and when they end. And like you have to book your call before this contract ends. And if you need to have a discussion, let's have a discussion. But these contracts are not like indefinite. Whenever you want to book your call, book it and I'm free. There are agreements in place for a reason. And I'm, I've been able to build that confidence and send those emails and set boundaries because of the smaller ones I made last year, again, of not working Fridays or not answering emails past a certain time or answering Voxer or whatever the case is. I think it really helps build a strong self-esteem and confidence. Number seven, focus on non-monetary wins just as much as monetary. This is like the biggest one I feel like that people get caught up in and why they think their business failed. They're like, oh, my God, didn't have a 10K month, didn't have the six-figure year. I suck. I'm not out of credit card debt yet. I can't believe it's another year that I only made X amount of dollars on my business. Instead of focusing on all the non-monetary wins, like what clients did you help? How did you help them? What softwares did you set up? What scheduling did you put into place? What boundaries did you set? What personal wins do you have for yourself? I had to do this recently because... There were definitely months that I didn't do as well as I thought. And, you know, I had a goal in my mind financially that I wanted to hit that I didn't hit. And it can feel like, oh, well, guess this year was a bad year. When in reality, it's like even looking at one of the clients I helped, I'll give you an example. One client I helped was in a job that she did not like and she wanted to leave and go do something in a completely different industry that she would have to go back to school for, get a certification for, and then go find a job that was a big task. And that was something that I was like, I'm not even sure personally, I could help her see that all the way through in terms of like quitting the job. I know I can help her build the confidence and mindset to do that. But I don't know that we're going to get to that point. Well, we got to that point where she quit her job, she got the certification. And now she works at a place that is a very high end place. It's like her dream job. And now she's launching a podcast and she has an Instagram. And I'm like, Chelsea, what the fuck? Like, that's a big deal that you helped somebody do that. You kind of just help someone change the trajectory of their life. And here I am like, oh, well, I didn't have a six for year and I didn't hit like consistent 10K months. It's like, are you serious? You just changed someone's life and you're gonna look at the money? Like that is that is always gonna feel empty and that will never feel good. Business will never be fun. You will never like what you do if you're always focusing on the monetary wins. The same thing with like, let's say you don't work with private clients and you have a podcast. If you even got one DM that your podcast changed someone's day or helped them look at something from a different perspective or made them laugh, you don't know how how impactful that is. Maybe that was the first time they've laughed in six months because the pandemic has been so hard on them. Maybe you're the person that got them to think about investing in real estate. Maybe you're the person who got them to finally start writing again. And that is, again, you just change the trajectory of someone's life. That is invaluable. You cannot put a price tag on that. And if you only are focusing on the monetary wins, I can guarantee you 100% you will start hating your business. You will resent it. And you'll start looking at clients as dollar signs instead of real human beings. And you're going to end up crashing and burning. And that's never going to be good. You're going to develop a bad reputation. You're going to feel out of integrity. And I know because there were periods of my business where I've been that way. Like I said, I, I'm, I don't love admitting this, but there were months where I had really, really good months. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to repeat that again. How many more clients can I get in the door? Oh, my God, if I sold five more of these packages, I would make this much. Let me try to sell five more instead of being like, wait, 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 let's slow down. Let's make sure clients are having a great experience. Then let's onboard a few more instead of just looking at how many clients can I bring on to hit a six figure year? Because again, that would be a poor experience for my clients if I'm just not looking at them as real human beings and dollar signs. So, yeah, really clock your non monetary wins. The way I would suggest doing this is I have a huge kind of like planner in front of me, it's one of those paper like desk planners. And instead of writing what I have to do each day in there, I do a self-acknowledgement exercise. So I will actually write down everything I did that day that has nothing to do with making money. So I'm gonna read you one right now. Monday, did a workout, meditated, sent emails, cooked my HelloFresh meal, made podcast plans, posted on Instagram, made my bed, socialized on text message and got back to friends, made a repayment plan for my credit card, made a Notion template, And, uh, was, I can't even read my handwriting something else on there. (laughs) So when I look back at this week, let's say I don't sell anything all week. I'm not going to be like, wow, shitty week didn't make any money. I'm like, Whoa, look at what I just did on Monday. And now I just did that for seven days. That helps me build confidence. And at the end of the year, I can look at stuff like this and be like, wow, I had a really good year. Even if I didn't hit my financial goals. And it also helps you to do inventory. Like why didn't I hit my financial goals? Maybe I need to sell something for a higher price with less people, or maybe I need to build my community and whatever, you know, you can tweak and adjust. So try this self-acknowledgement exercise because it is so, so helpful. Tip number eight, if you're not yourself, you will hate your business. This is like, I'm like smiling at this one because I feel like I just went through this and I've talked about this. You guys have definitely heard the podcast over the summer about kind of transitioning from being like a good girl and doing what, you know, being like kind of coach bubblegum Barbie. And I feel like in the beginning, I was that person, I was very focused on mindset manifestation, which I still by the way, I love teaching about it. The reason I kind of started shying away from it was because I could tell the word manifestation started being confused with like being rich as hell. And I was like, I think people think I'm going to help them become rich as hell. And I just want to teach people to like be more optimistic and content. And so that's all to say, I'm like kind of reworking how I'm teaching mindset manifestation. And I definitely want to teach it in 2022, but just not in the way I was doing. And this brings me to the point of like, I started to feel like I wasn't being myself and I wasn't showing all sides of me. And I've told this story a million times before, but my ex told me one time, he's like, I just feel like you're not the person you are online that you are when you're with me and he said like in, with me you're like silly and goofy and funny and you know online you're like more serious and you know way more like business oriented and like da 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 I'm like he's right like I ha- I I'm not showing that goofy side of myself I'm not really showing my personality because I was scared that people would not take me seriously or someone would be like what is she doing does she think she's a comedian when she was just talking about mindset or money or whatever the case is And it started to open my eyes, like, no wonder my business started not feeling fun, because I wasn't being myself, I wasn't having fun. And I started to resent it, because it starts to feel like you have to wear a mask, you end up kind of putting yourself in this box that you didn't even want to be in anyway. And then when you get in that box, you're like, how do I get out? I just put so many locks on it, I don't even know which lock to open first. So this is all to say, the way to like the tactical tip to get through this is to start to kind of like do inventory of like, what am I not saying that I want to say? You know, what am I holding back from sharing? Why do I feel weird about sharing this part of myself? What is it about me sharing XYZ that feels a little uncomfortable? Because usually the parts that you're not sharing are the parts of you that people want to see. And that's what would end up making your business more fun. And so for me, you've probably seen this recently with like my Instagram I started changing up my graphics. I started showing you guys my chair dance classes. I started doing like a bit more funny reels or on the fly content. And I still, by the way, I'm working on this. There are so many things I want to share and say that have nothing to do with mindset manifestation or podcasting. There, I, I want to talk to you guys about sex and dating and travel and like everything. Like there's so many other things I want to talk about. And that's, that's a goal of 2022. And this is why I love my podcast, because I have the space to talk about it. But I used to think I can't talk about those things because they have nothing to do with my business. You know, like, why would I talk about sex when I'm a a podcast coach or mindset coach? Like, how is that really going to help anybody? But it's like, that's part of me. And my business is an extension of me. So I should be able to talk about whatever I want, knowing that I'm a human being and you guys know what's going on. I think this is honestly, too, why a lot of people are hating posting on Instagram right now, because they're like, okay, I am a blank, blank coach. And so I have to talk about X, Y, Z topics. And that's all I can talk about. And if I stray from that, people are, it's going to lose credibility. People aren't going to buy from me. They're going to think I'm wishy-washy, you're noncommittal. And I'm saying this basically because I went through this. So like, if I'm a mindset coach and I want to teach you tips about mindset, and all of a sudden I'm telling you about how I went on a date this weekend and got too drunk and whatever said the wrong thing. You would be like, wait, what? Like, why is she talking about that? I thought she was giving mindset tips. That's what I thought people would do when in reality, when I would talk about stuff like this on the podcast, those are the podcast episodes where people would be like, oh my God, I, I relate so much. Thank you for sharing. That was such a funny story. Um, I'll give you guys an example. In, I think it was March when I did my one on one enrollment, I had just done an episode of like all the business mistakes I made. And from a strategic standpoint, I don't think a business coach would have told me to do a podcast about business mistakes in the middle of enrolling clients for my business, right? Like that sounds batshit crazy. But for me, I was like, well, that is why people feel so behind in business is because no one's sharing their mistakes or what went wrong. And I was like, I'm going to do this podcast and I'm going to share like what I learned and the shit that I've been through and the failed launches. You know what happened? All these people DM me. That was so real. I really do so much. Thank you for sharing. And I sold out my one on one enrollment in like five days. It was crazy. Even my ex was like, wait, what just happened? Like you were marketing it Monday and it's Wednesday and you already have all your clients (laughs) set for like the next six months. And it was because I was actually myself. I wasn't trying to put a pretty filter or polish this up and be like, oh, you know, whatever. Everything worked out in the long run. It's like, no, it didn't. Not everything worked out in the long run. Some things didn't work out. Some things sucked. Some things were not great. And it felt so freeing and liberating. So As you can see, I'm going on a tangent here because this point is really important to me. Like if you're not yourself, you will hate your business. So again, tactical tip here, something that you can actually work with, start to share a little bit about yourself. If you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Share about your dog, share what you ate that morning share about something you did that weekend, share about a travel plan or a hot take you have or an article you read something that like challenge yourself to post something that doesn't have to do with your business that you're interested in. That's a way to start showing more of yourself number nine. And this one is one I learned pretty recently. And I think it's huge is sometimes you need a specialist or a consultant, not a coach. So what I mean by this business coaching, this is a great example. I've had so many business coaches, whether that's one on one or in group settings. And sometimes they're there simply to like, hold space, be a cheerleader, cheerleader, validate your ideas, and give you definitely some business advice, right? Like, Oh, here's how I would structure that contract. Or here's what I would say for your launch. Let's try this and this. Or why don't you try to make this payment plan accessible for these people? But whatever the case is, right? They're definitely there to help guide you and give you ideas. But sometimes when you're like, okay, I need, Dubsado is a really great example. Dubsado is a software that you can onboard clients, you can invoice them, their scheduling. That would help me a lot with my enrollments. When I started to look into Dubsado, I was like, what the fuck is this? I am actually very tech savvy and I don't even know how on earth to set this up. A business coach is not an expert in Dubsado. So I went and found a Dubsado expert who is currently in my VA. And I said, when I posted about it, about this job opportunity, it wasn't necessarily a Dubsado expert. I was like, I need a tech person to help me with all this stuff. And my VA is very tech savvy. And she set up Dubsado and she is fully trained in it. She has like gone to webinars, trainings, is in like their Dubsado community. She knows everything that there is to know about Dubsado. So when she went to set it up, she wasn't like Googling and YouTubing, how do I set up Dubsado? She knows her shit. And so that saved me a lot of time from me trying to do it myself or hiring someone that could be like, oh, I don't know, I'll figure it out. No, 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 you need to get a specialist or a consultant. So if you're, let's say you're in business and you're like, okay, I know I need to set up automations. Like, you know, when someone applies to work with me, I want it to trigger this whole system where then it would send them a link. And then from the link, they could book their call. And then if we move forward, it would send an invoice and then they could book their very first coaching call. That is something that a business coach might actually not be trained in. And you need a a system specialist or a tech specialist. So this is huge. And my VA and I just talked about this because we had a planning meeting And I was like, wow, this is a lot different from my business coaching because we're getting really into the tech and systems and like how everything works together. Like, what's the ecosystem of my products? How does one thing relate to the other? When someone gets this email, what would that prompt them to do? You know, now do they need to take a quiz so that I can get another email and then they'll get this product? Like we really sat down and mapped that out. And I'm like, that's because she is a systems and tech specialist and an expert in that where a business coach maybe will help you through more of the like, feelings and emotions and mindset stuff. And again, we'll have business advice, right? Like, hey, if you're trying to build financial stability, not sure I would offer a $10 product if you're trying to have a 10k month, or you know, if I'm struggling, I'm like, "Hey, no one's buying. I feel like a piece of shit. Like, why is no one buying my product?" That's where a business coach can really come in and help work through that mindset piece, and then be like, "Well, let's look at it. You know, what's going on? Are you talking about it a lot? Are you maybe you need to send an email?" But a specialist can help you drill down even further. So when you're doing investments in 2022, instead of just running to a business coach ask yourself, do I need a business coach or do I need like a specific help with tech or something even more specific? Right. Do I need that's why with podcast coaching for me, I'm a podcast coach. I'm not a business coach. I'm not a money coach. I'm not a wealth coach. I am going to help you launch a podcast that is very specific. A business coach that has a podcast may be able to help you, but are they a specialist? Do they understand, you know, the SEO of show notes? Do they understand how reviews work? Do they understand, you know, naming episodes? That's something where me as like more of a specialist and expert with podcasting can help you. So again, 2022, be more discerning and maybe even ask people like when you're hiring a business coach, especially if you're going to invest a lot of money one on one. If you're like, hey, these are my business goals. I want to make a certain amount of money. I want to launch a podcast and I want to automate my systems you should ask them, do you have experience with automation and systems or launching a podcast? Because if not, and the only thing that they're offering you is maybe some support with whatever contracts and mindset, maybe you don't want to invest whatever it is $10,000 $15,000 into that coach, maybe you do need to spend a certain amount of money and go hire a specialist. So this one's really, really big. And it has really taught me a lot, honestly. And number 10, which has been one of the most surprising things to me is that the very low cost memberships I'm in have actually been more valuable than some of my high ticket coaching. And I wanna be clear here, I have a lot of different coaches. So I've invested in coaches from group programs that range from like $1,000 to $2,000. I have a one-on-one coach. I've invested in one-on-one coaches, one-off, where we just do like a consultation that's maybe 500, 700, $1,000. And what's interesting is the memberships I'm in, one of them I pay $49 and one of them I pay 88. I have gotten so much value. I have connected with people. I've been able to ask questions directly to the leader of the membership. I've been able to ask questions in the community and the group and get even more perspectives. I've been able to learn because a lot of these memberships have constant teachings going on. And it is incredible the amount of stuff I've learned in these memberships. So it's interesting because I've spent literally thousands of dollars on high ticket coaching. But when I look at what I've really learned this year and what I've implemented it, a lot of it is from my VA or my podcast editor or the memberships I've been in. So I know coaching is very attractive and investing a lot of money. You know, you always hear invest a lot of money and what you get in is what you'll put out. So if you think you invest $10,000 in a coach and you're going to make $20,000, Yes, sometimes that's true. And sometimes maybe you just need to join a $44 membership and meet bomb people and learn and then your business will take off. It's just been amazing what these memberships have done for me. A lot of my clients have come from the memberships. I've learned how to um, manage my money from memberships. I've learned how to build a sales calendar. I've learned how to track my wealth. Like so many things that I've learned this year have come from these memberships. And you know what? As I'm going through all these, I want to shout out specific people and companies and brands, et cetera, that have helped me so that you can see if they can help you, too. So regarding structure and systems, um, I was talking about payment processors a lot. I use Stripe and PayPal. So when someone pays me, it is either linked up to Stripe or PayPal. That's how I make money. My business bank account, I use Bluevine Checking. It's an online business bank account. I wanted it to be completely separate from like my Chase checking or my Ally Online Savings or my credit cards or anything. And I did not take out a business credit card. I know myself and I know credit cards and that was not an option for me. I wanted to have an actual cash account. So I used something called Bluevine. I was mentioning Dubsado a lot. I used Dubsado for my invoicing and scheduling and... That's it, payment plans and contracts. So it's kind of like an all in one software. I will say it's very technical. So you definitely need an expert to help you set it up. I have my amazing VA, Zofia. She is incredible. She helped me set it up. And yeah, if you want to work with her, let me know. I'll probably tag her in these show notes because she is the best at what she does. She has helped me incredibly with systems and structures. And I feel like she's the reason I'm going to have a lot more free time in 2022 and a lot less headaches. My podcast editor is named Adi Mezin. He is amazing. I've been working with him, I honestly think, since 2018. When I started my podcast, I knew like six months in, I needed an editor, and we've been working together since then. He's awesome. He's quick. He knows what he's doing. He's an audio engineer. So yeah, he's the shit. Again, I will tag all these people in my show notes. And then trying to think what else? Memberships. I was talking about the memberships I'm in that I absolutely love. Um, I'm in the House of Wealth Embodiment, which they abbreviated to House of We, led by Tori Washington. I'm pretty sure they're opening their doors at the end of this month or January. And that has helped a lot with financial wisdom, with understanding wealth, with somatic practices. They do something called We Flows, where you just move and breathe and you let your body lead you and you know show you where you need to work on yourself with money. Um, They do money management workshops. They do manifestation workshops. They do a bunch of stuff in the membership. It's really awesome. And then the North Node, which is run by Holisticism. I am obsessed with them. I feel like I will never leave the membership. It is incredible value. I mean, in the membership alone, there's all this content from everything of like how to read your birth chart and understand your human design and business to how to price your offers and plan a sales calendar and how to write emails and copywriting and um, CFO stuff, like what you need to do to plan your finances. It's like everything you need to run an intuitive, magical business and the people in it are amazing. So yeah, I'm a major hype girl of holisticisms North node. And then my business coach is Rachel Turner. She is so amazing She is really trauma informed and she really helps misfits. So if you feel like you kind of like don't belong in the business space and you're not that bubblegum Barbie type of coach, Rachel will be your perfect match. She also coaches with her wife, who's a leadership coach, which has been really helpful in helping me understand how to structure courses, how to motivate people. She has that leadership background, which is incredibly helpful. And then what else have I invested in this year? Oh my gosh. A lot of it was people's programs that I was already a part of. So like I invested in Tori Washington's Sales Genius. I invested in um, Holisticism's Notion for Magical Baddies course. So pretty much anything that I was already in, I just invested in. But yeah, I thought it was worth shouting out some of these people and tools that helped me. Um, I'm thinking of anything else. Calendly is absolutely amazing. It's a booking software and it makes everything so much easier. So if you're going back and forth with people all day, like, are you free at three? No, I'm not free at three. Are you free at two? Stop, get a scheduling software and you can collect payments on Calendly as well. And I think it's a really robust software. I really, really love them. So Yeah. I hope this was helpful. If I think of any more tools or anything, I'll definitely let you know. I mean, there's a million more, especially when it comes to podcasting, but I'm thinking of just the things I listed specifically today. And I also just want to say that this is just my experience. Okay. I have had a very weird year. I lived in Germany. I was running my business during a lockdown. I lived with my partner. Then we broke up and I traveled for like five weeks A very chaotic, turbulent time. Not only from traveling, but the time zone differences, trying to heal from heartbreak, moving out of an apartment, leaving a life that I had just built for a year on top of then now I'm living with my parents. And so my costs and expenses have vastly changed. So when I'm giving you guys all these learning lessons advice, I again want you to stop comparing apples to apples being like, oh, well, she's a year in business. I'm a year in business. So, you know, I can take all these lessons and apply them to my life. You also have to consider your relationship status, if you have children or not, what zip code you live in, your race and ethnicity, your access to capital, you know, how much help you have, how much uh, how much credits, like how great your credit score is. All this stuff affects how successful you are as a business owner. So I just always want to make it super clear when I'm giving advice and, you know, running through some things. I don't want you to take it as concrete. This is the spoken truth word. I mean, I would never hold myself to that high of a standard, but I know a lot of people do listen to this podcast and, you know, they want to know how do I start this or how do I do this? And this is just from my experience and my past year, which has been, again, a very weird year and the pandemic. Let's not forget that. Right. A lot of us either were in a lockdown or we didn't have the opportunity to like Go to the same things other people had, like in-person experiences or in-person interviews or, you know what I mean? So it does depend where you live. So yeah, I just always like to add that disclaimer. And I know even maybe some of these points contradicted themselves. Like I'm looking at my list and I was like, yeah, launch and adjust and experiment. But then also you don't need to experiment all the time. And that's what I mean. Like everything is an experiment. So if you're like, um, I don't really know like what to take and what to leave. That's up for you to decide use your best discerning judgment, what helps you, what doesn't help you. And I would love to hear your thoughts. If you're like, I don't agree with that point, or, you know, I've actually tried something you said not to do or vice versa. I am all ears. So I would love to hear from you. You can DM me at Chelsea Rife. You can actually submit questions to the podcast. Now I'll put the form in the show notes. I realize I've been putting it in my Instagram bio and not everybody's on Instagram. So I will put that in my show notes. I think I'll even put a link to it in my email signature because I really want to start answering questions on the podcast. Because as you know, I'm very transparent and honest. So if you ask me a question, I want to start opening the door to the conversation to have a more honest truth around it, versus blanket advice of like, here's what generally worked for me. And here's like, generally what I would do, I would love to help you more specifically. So that's with anything, by the way, like if you want travel tips, if you want to know about business or a software or podcasting, Anything that you feel I could help you with, right? Maybe don't ask me about dating because I'm still figuring that out right now. So don't submit a question about dating. Don't submit questions about that. But anything that, again, I talk about in this podcast spirituality, entrepreneurship, money, anything, having fun, I'd love to answer some questions. I'll leave the link in the show notes. I hope this was helpful. And if you leave a review, not only is it greatly appreciated because it's the holidays, so I will consider that a gift but you'll be entered into a giveaway to win a year long subscription to open so if you want to join the challenge which we're starting in january now for the waitlist so when the challenge starts you're ready to go if you submit a review you could actually then end up winning an entire year long subscription and you can keep using the app after the challenge ends this app has been so incredible in regulating my nervous system you guys know this year was chaotic for me i'm telling you the reason i was able to get through those months of travel and heartbreak was this app. I don't know what I would have done. And I'm not just saying that to blow smoke. It was the breath work and the daily meditations that kept me from not completely spiraling. And it started to give me perspective on things because the way they integrate the ancient philosophy with like modern day science and wisdom, it just adds a layer of context that I feel like I was missing from my life with a lot of other meditation and workout apps. So I'm obsessed with it. And that's why I want to do the challenge together. So I will leave the link in my show notes so you can try out the app for free for 30 days. And it's actually perfect because then you could try it while we're doing the challenge in January. And then again, you'll be entered into a giveaway to win a year-long subscription. So just take a screenshot, send it to info at ChelseaRife.com or send it to my inbox at Rife and you'll be entered into that giveaway. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And then stay tuned for next week for the final episode of 2021, where I'll be doing a personal year in review which will have nothing to do with business. All right, talk soon.